Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of At The Movies with Cash and Hightower. You got Cash here. This is Hightower. Cash, how you doing? Man, I am living the dream. I'm excited to talk about this movie because like you said last week, you got me out of my comfort zone. And a fun fact, you have swung this household to, I'm not going to say it's one of her favorite movies, but it is in list of movies we've done. It ranks in the top three for her. This this pleases me greatly. You're talking about Mrs. You're talking about Mrs. Mrs. Cash, or you're talking about Baby Cash? Mrs. Cash. So as it, no, <laughs> Baby Cash enjoyed it too. She's a little too young to understand what's going on, but um, no, Mrs. Cash. So we watched it, and this is a direct quote. You'll have to tell Hightower that he's converted a fan because I thought this movie was going to be crap, and it was really good. And I, I would never lead her astray. No, and and I think we know that, but yeah, man, this was this was a really fun one. So I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it today. And the film, of course, Cash is referring to is the 1987 Elizabeth Shue vehicle, The Adventures in Babysitting. I did. I honestly didn't know what to expect. I figured it was going to be kind of like this. Um, took some twists and turns that I was not fully anticipating. But man, what a fun movie! Yeah, it's it really is a fun one. Before we get into it, I wrote a note down to myself to remind myself to do this before we get going because I'll forget by the end of the show. Yes, but real sir. quick, a little, little housekeeping before we get going. I got to give a couple shout outs here to some to some listeners who are letting me know they're listening. Uh, my good buddy, Louie. Shout out to Lou. Sweet Lou. Uh, Vonnie, of course, he's a regular. He's been sending, he's been sending me show notes to each week. Uh, he made he did make fun of me for the G.I. Joe mess up last <laughs> Which I predicted. Uh, Luke just Luke joined the listening of uh, the podcast. <clears throat> he loved uh, Prince of Thieves and Tombstone. He even gave gave us some uh, Prince of Thieves trading cards, like straight from ninety, uh, nineteen ninety, whatever that was, ninety one, ninety two. That's a big pickup there. Yeah, so I have I have a pack waiting for you. We'll, we'll open them together. But yeah, excellent. So yes, thank you, Luke. Uh, Dr. Hightower, my sister, she's been with us since day one. She's just, she's an avid fan. Got to give her some love. And my dad just downloaded Spotify on his phone and he listened to the Turtles episode. Papa Hightower, good. To, welcome to the family, man. Yeah, I was like, hey, dad, we uh, did Prince of Thieves, like one of your favorite movies. He's like, oh yeah, great. I'll check it out. And then like, he texts me like later that night. Yeah, yeah I'm listening to the Turtles. <laughs> Total swerve. Yeah, big time. Big time swerve. <laughs> I felt like with, with that list, you were like, get this. Whips, chains. Whistles. A yo-yo. <laughs> My grandma riding by on a bike giving me the finger and a duck. <laughs> Are you crying? <laughs> um, I, well, and I'm glad that you mentioned that, too, because I got um, – Big Dave has been – ever since I mentioned him on the our, our Robin Hood episode, he's been – uh, give me give me texts every week saying how much he's appreciating the show and had a, a new new listener reach out to me actually um, oddly enough reached out to talk about the Instagram page and it's like hey really enjoyed the the show so Steve thanks for uh, following up with me kind of give me some pointers because if there's anybody that's social media illiterate it's this guy and this guy is in charge of things we'll be up and running in MySpace later this My year space. Get it. <laughs> Yes, thanks, Dave, Steve, and thanks, Big Dave. Of course, man, I should have put him on my list. Big- 
He's uh man yeah he he was loving it and we uh we blew him away with some of the historical facts with uh with last week's episode on Tombstone too so I feel, appreciate appreciate I like, it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Dave should be like the leader of the like Cash and Hightower dog pound like you know like the 100% the rabid fan base out there. 100% and I was going to say it with uh with Steve's suggestion too i i was not thinking so we are we are live on facebook now some some of our listeners may have joined the group already today so we'll be trying to do a little bit more interactive things and uh, having some fun and obviously updating you on any shows so whether it's facebook or instagram feel free to follow along and get updates on the latest and greatest at at the movies with cash and hightower Yeah, maybe we'll even put out like a movie poll of like which movie we should do and you guys can you guys can uh you know put cast your vote you guys can cast your vote and we will totally ignore it and pick our own movie. Exactly what I was going <laughs> to read my mind. Great. Great suggestion. We're doing this anyway. Oh, dirty dancing one. Great. We're doing tango and Cat. <laughs> Both will be covered, but we'll be covered in our terms. That's the way we roll. Amen, brother. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So I, I wanted to give those couple of shout outs too. So I'm glad you remembered to do that at the beginning. Cause I'm like you, I would have forgot by the end of the show. Yeah, I wrote myself a note like last time, like do not forget. And then I totally forget every time. We thank all of our listeners. You guys are the best. God bless you. All right, let's get back into this. This Christopher Columbus joint directorial debut from Chris Columbus. That that blew me away too, and I was I, when we were watching it the first time. I was telling my wife, I was like, "Man, this definitely has like a Home Alone vibe." And yeah. then I did not put two and two together, and I was like, "Oh, well, it's the same director. That explains a lot." Was it? Did you get that vibe as soon as they ran over the little? Uh, yes. Truck, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's right out of Home Alone. Like, I did that. Well, I guess they did it here first, and then did it in Home Alone. I, I got that too, and then if you'll, I made a note too, and we'll obviously get to it. But when Brenda's in the uh, bus station, her jacket she's wearing is like the exact same one that John Candy's wearing. Oh yeah, that's right. I wonder if he was wearing polka, 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 polka. Great hits. <laughs> well, this movie also stars one of my former girlfriends, Elizabeth Shue. I'm not ashamed to put that out there. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to be ashamed for that. Maybe my first true love. Uh, then you also have Keith Coogan, a young Keith Coogan, a young Maya Bruton, and a young Anthony Rapp. So, and of course, we'll get into other people who show up later, but that's kind of your uh, main cast there. Yeah, not. Um, I don't want to say not a star-studded cast because obviously a lot of these these actors have been in different movies and obviously you know different levels, but it's not like. It didn't jump off the page like, oh, this is Robert De Niro or Al Pacino or something. Obviously, it's a different type of movie, but it was it was kind of refreshing to watch an 80s movie that I had never seen with a cast of people that I recognized, but it wasn't like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, you know, the the, the big, big names for that. So, yeah, ton, tons of people in this movie. Yeah, it feels like very low budget still, but like I feel like there you got Elizabeth Shue. They're like, oh, yeah, we can make this work. You know, she's she did Karate Kid and, you know, like we can we can make it work. For sure. Yeah, but um, we can we can dive into the movie. We've we've ambled on about 10 minutes here, so yeah. <laughs> I guess we could talk about the movie now if you want to. You know to. what I love straight out of the gates is the Touchstone Pictures, Touchstone Pictures, a uh, little blue bar scrolling across. I, it, I love Touchstone Pictures. I don't know why. I don't remember anything else. I just like that symbol. 
I, I remember like watching movies like that as a kid and then like the Disney tune to like so that when Disney movies starting up when I was a kid, like I don't know why, but those two always stick out to me. So I was thinking the same yeah, thing. That's pretty good. And then we get immediately into Elizabeth Shue singing some and then he kissed me by the crystals. And uh, I mean, I already said it, but I he had a huge crush on Elizabeth Shue. I think that's fair, and it's it, it was kind of difficult for me because the last thing I saw Elizabeth Shue in was The Boys. <laughs> and I was yeah. it, it, obviously a tonal shift, so I had I had to get reacclimated with '80s Elizabeth Shue. But um, yeah, how do you how do you feel about the opening dance scene? Obviously, you know, singing along, but I, love- I, I don't. <laughs> I was gonna say it was like, all right, I'm, it's put me in a good frame of mind. It lets me know where, where we're heading in this movie, and I, I dug yeah, it. I'm a little bit of an old soul. I like oldies, so this song really, I really enjoyed. And then, of course, you know, you just have you got Elizabeth singing her heart out. I the soundtrack of this movie is really good too. There's a couple of oldies, and there's even that one um, Sam Cooke song that's in Guardians Two at the end of the movie. But I really like the soundtrack to this movie yeah, it was too. Good. There were some weird parts though where I was going to ask you later on if like if it's cheaper to use a song, if you only do the instrumental version of it, because there's a, there's a stone song. And then what else is there? There's an Iggy pop song that you don't get the lyrics to just like, you know, the instrumental parts. And it's kind of like very low also. Yeah. I, I had a comment about that too. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get to it. But anyway, yeah. So we get the opening, um, opening dance scene, you know, she's dancing around the room, getting ready for, you know, what we don't entirely know, but we kind of assume is a, you know, a date night of sorts. And she's laying on the bed and Mike's here and we open the door on a young Bradley Whitford. Yeah, that's right. Or- Eric is a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Eric or my wife would know him as Josh from the West Wing. Oh, yeah. I um, I had a buddy that he's been he's telling me like, dude, you got to watch the West Wing, which I remember watching it off and on whenever it was on originally. But yeah, I forget he's in that. But man, I. Like I'm watching this, I'm like, he 100% grew up to try and corrupt Madison Hotel's empire, yeah. and th- this is the same character it has and, to yep, be. I was gonna say they they cast him probably right from this role, and I like right out of the shoot too. So you know, she, she comes downstairs, open the door, she's all dressed up, he's got the jeans and like jacket on, and he's, hey, I got to cancel, sorry, you know, sister's sick, and she's really trying, like Chris is is trying to get over and like, well, you know, maybe we can make soup and just really wants to spend time with him. And he's being such a tool like the entire time. So my, my first question was, why did he not just call? Like, why did he drive all the way over there for like a two minute conversation? That's a great question. I thought that very same thing. I mean, this is the eighties, you know, you got, everyone's got the house phones. There's no cell phones, but yeah, that's true. He must've had errands to run. And I love like, First, like the way he talks in general, it's like, why is she so infatuated with him anyway? Which obviously is a recurring theme throughout the movie. But at first, when I first watched it, I was like, all right, like at least usually you get this sense like, okay, this guy's charming. Maybe he's got some flaws or something like that. But just right out of the shoot, just a total tool the entire time that she's talking to him. Yeah. Real quick, what's your what's the best Bradley Whitford movie? Um. I mean, I love Billy Madison, but I got to say, Cabin in the Woods is fantastic, too. Like, those are my top two, I think. You nailed it. You got the correct answer. Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> yes. Sweet. The best. All right. Also, we should we should mention, too, his Camaro, his license plate. Yeah. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> the, oh, with the old school Illinois plates. 
I read something. I don't know if this is true. I tried to find this in a couple different spots. So I read something online that said that was his actual Camaro. I saw that too. I know he's from I, Wisconsin, but maybe he moved down. I don't know, man. I don't know if that's really his and that's that everything, including the license plate was his, that'd be just phenomenal. Too cool for school. Bradley Whitford. <laughs> but yeah, we obviously, you know, we go from that and he's, he, you know, kind of denies Chris and like, Hey, we'll get together next week. So then we go, you know, back to, to Chris's room and her friend Brenda is there um, trying to console her or scare her or whatever she wants to do. And, Brenda played by uh, doggone what's her name Penelope, Penelope Ann Miller. Yeah. Which I only I, she's been in a ton of things, but I to this day she's Dominic's mom from Kindergarten Cop to me. That's what I was gonna say. She's Joyce. She's Joyce. Would you sash your father, Dominic? Um. <laughs> but yeah, and talking about putting Drano in, uh, in the stepmom's in her tab. <laughs> God, I love it. Great. Just 80s, yeah. 80s through and through. Great reference. But uh, yeah, go. so they're kind of you know talking. Oh, go ahead. Let's say let's just let's speed through this. I got a lot of I got a lot of stuff to get into. So I'm just going to say. Yeah. So we find out that the Andersons need a sitter. Chris, that's Elizabeth Shue's character. I don't know if we identified that. Chris Parker. Oddly enough, she'll later become Jay Parker in Back to the Future too. But uh, we'll forego that right now. But anyway. The Anderson kids need a sitter, so she's available. So she's going to take the job. So we immediately go to the Anderson's house where we see a young Sarah wearing her Thor cap and her roller skates. And then an older brother, Brad, who out of the gates is in love with Chris. Yeah, just totally head over heels, too. And I, <laughs> I've i made a note. Someone needs to tell Sarah, like, if she can hold out for, like, 20 years, she is going to have a ton of movies to watch. Man, I want someone to remake this movie. And then, I mean, not like the Disney one, like actually remake it and then like get Chris Hemsworth to be, to be the Dawson's garage guy. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> I feel like he would do it. Oh yeah. He's, he's that kind of guy. He like definitely, but that, but yeah, you, you know, we get the, uh, you get the immediate, you know, Sarah's, you know, tricking Brad into admitting he writes love poems for Chris. So she stayed in the doorway too, and just head over heels in love with her. Man. When I was like little, watching this i didn't really get into it but this probably was my most watched movie as a kid like in the hightower household i bet i, I bet as a family we watched this movie the most out of any movie i've i of course what? i sent that text to my my dad and my sister and they both said different movies but in my mind this is the one we watched the most <laughs> and and brad well, seems so old but now when i watch it he seems so young it's crazy I know. That's, I was thinking the same thing. Like it almost seems like too drastic of an age gap in some some of these instances, and not just Brad and Chris, but uh, you know Brad's friend, which we're you know we're going to meet Daryl here shortly. But uh, there's there were times I was like, man, these kids seem like super young for what they're doing right now, even in a movie. Yeah. Hey, uh, our second Crunch Bar appearance also of the uh, podcast. That's right. Don't mess. Don't eat it because it's gonna mess with your complexion. I, I don't know if I ever can. I don't know if we ever talked about this, but um, my friend Zach found a website that is confirming in Ghostbusters. It's like an old school Crunch Bar with like an old wrapper. It is. Yeah. So we. Uh, it was a. It was a mystery at the time. It was really bugging me, but I forgot. My buddy Zach like found some like random form that <laughs> confirmed it was a Crunch Bar. So good work, Zach. 
the internet can be a wonderful and a horrible place all at the same time. And this is wonderful, clearly. That's I, I did not know that. Amen. I know you're a fan of the Crunch Bar, so we had to give it its due. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's my that's my favorite for sure. But um, yeah, you know, the, the don't eat the Crunch Bar going over the house rules after, you know, Brad spilled the macaroni whenever she first got there. And I don't, and again, I realize it's, you know, probably irrelevant, but like the whole, like, Sarah, make sure you take your cough syrup because you just getting over a cough. Like that's a plot point and it kind of comes up later, but I didn't fully, I was like, okay, why, why are we referencing this? Like I was expecting her to have like a wheezing attack or something throughout the movie. Yeah, It's weird. They wrote that joke in for like a, just a really bad joke to pay off later. That wasn't even funny basically, but, yeah. But yeah, that is strange. Did you know? But then we get you know what, what, yeah. what time the parents said they'd be home? One o'clock. One a.m. One a.m. They were partying. Well, so I can provide a little context to this. Okay. Just a little bit. So the missus is from around those those areas as well. The uh, you know the Chicago suburbs or whatever. So when we watch this. I was like, hey, did you hear that? They said they're, you know, park and they're going to go to the city. Her, their parents are going to the city, whatever. She's like, well, that wouldn't take a half hour to get into the city. I said, are you taking into account the god awful, horrendous Chicago traffic that slows everything down? Right. And she's like, yeah, that's true. So she's like, I could see if, if their party even ended at like 11 or 12. Like I could totally see that being one o'clock. So maybe they were playing it safe. But yeah, definitely. I was like, holy crap, one o'clock. That's a long time. Yeah, I, that's that is. That's like bold. I don't think my parents ever were out that late i'm sure they were but that's crazy and it was probably you know my grandma babysitting me not like an actual babysitter yeah and you guys didn't blow a tire on the interstate and <laughs> c- commit a few felonies i'm assuming exactly <laughs> but yeah so they talk about you know getting home at one o'clock and then uh, the dog at the back door shows up or otherwise known as daryl <laughs> <laughs> i love daryl Oh my goodness. Daryl is like, someone should give that poor kid an intervention a little bit. Like he's, I mean, I understand a prepubescent teen, but goodness gracious, he's coming in real hot with some of those references. Yeah, he is like the definition of your stereotypical teenager at this point. Teenage boy. <laughs> but he does redeem himself a few times. Like he has some redeeming qualities. So yeah, this is uh, Anthony Rapp who uh, went on to later work with Christopher Columbus in the movie version of Rent, obviously the Broadway was years before, but they uh, they met back up later on in life. I so when I watched this the first time, and I again this is kind of silly anyway. So when I was in high school, the movie Road Trip came out, and you know we're all cool high school kids, like oh we're gonna watch this R-rated movie. And I was watching, I was like, okay, is that the guy from Road Trip? Like, is he the you know douchebag? college student that's trying to get him kicked out and he's in that movie too like oh, okay. kind of a throwaway role but yeah he, he's in the road trip too he tries to get um oh doggone it what's that kid Brecken Meyer he tries to get Brecken Meyer thrown out of the school in that movie I haven't seen that in a while but yeah that's he's also uh sister Molly Holly Cash would uh enjoy this but he's in the psych the musical episode oh that's right yeah I totally forgot about that, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. We, I'm assuming you you have plenty to say. I want to keep Mo here. I don't. I want to keep us on track. So, um, yeah. So Daryl shows up. Obviously, we get that introduction. We get the brief introduction, and then I didn't catch this either until I went back and watched it like the second or third time. Man. But Deborah Hill is one of the producers, and oh yeah. Apparently, they said like the Halloween theme was playing in the background, which I didn't hear. It's the, I was going to ask you that if you recognize the movie in the background while yeah they're at the Anderson's house, it's Halloween. 
So I thought, like, I, I was watching, I was like, okay, what are they watching? Because it, cl- it was clearly a horror movie. And then there was one scene, I was like, is that Jason Voorhees? Like, it kind of looked like it. But then I, I read back and saw it was Halloween. I was like, that makes a ton of sense since Deborah Hill was a producer. Three, four, our good friend John Carpenter. That's right. But yeah, then we get uh, Brenda at the bus station. And I love this, I love this Brenda story arc of her time <laughs> at the bus station. It is every time we every time we get back to her, it's just uh, an adventure. I love it. A comedy, yeah, a comedy of errors. But yeah, the the first one, like, please come get me. I don't have any money. I'm running away, and I just love that old guy is just get out of my house in the phone booth, and she's, <laughs> she's like not sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, she's. I mean, again, remember she's a teenager. It's fair, but even better than the old guy yelling, "Get out of my house," which is a plus. I love the dude in the trench coat who's just flashing his gun. <laughs> With a big smile on his face. I love that guy. Oh my god, I was dying laughing at that too. He's just way too happy to be carrying that gun and he never uses it. He just waves it around like a psycho. Dude, that guy's in the MVP of the movie conversation. Oh yeah, 100% too. That guy <laughs> killed it without any lines. What she went through like this whole thing, like I saw some something give like birth or something like that. So somebody shoot up, like just this long list of things that we did not see and probably shouldn't see. Oh man, so great. Yeah, and then we're gonna take the kids into the city to go pick up Brenda, who's run away from home, and Daryl's gonna tag along. Everybody blackmails Chris into going too. I, I love that. Oh man, there's a great line too where she's like. I'm going to kill you or something dead, murdered, stabbed, <laughs> stabbed. I noticed that too. Well, and I, I didn't even pick up on this at first, but uh, they were talking before um, while the parents were still there. And Sarah was like, Hey, can we go to Haagen-Dazs? Like, oh, yeah. were there actual Haagen-Dazs stores? Yeah. See, I'm apparently, I'm just too young. Cause I do not remember that. Well, like I, I only remember going like, yeah, not down here on the rural South, but yeah, you know, Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, down the sticks here. Yeah, up in the city, they're all over. Man, I just I was like like Baskin Robbins, TCBY, you know. Yeah. The oldies, but good. But anyway, yes, yeah, so I love that. You know, basically all of the kids end up blackmailing her to go, and I, <laughs> I was like, okay, so, and I I I, I don't know if you thought this hilarious too like when daryl pops out of the bushes when they first come out she's like she's like she shouts like that is that is another like legit reaction i would have had to if that happened to me yeah elizabeth shears is fantastic in this film i know i'm a little biased but i think she's great that's okay i know i agree she's very good very believable as a um as like you know do-gooder good good kid that obviously has uh, been put in some very crappy circumstances and this entire movie like other than her there's a lot of shady characters that are still kind of good guys i've noticed too like it's not black and white which i i kind of appreciated yeah which is very realistic it is it is not everybody's pure good and pure evil so this is a moral story very very gray <laughs> character theme <laughs> hey this movie has some so that- hey this movie's got some great character names including Mike Toddwell, who's the boyfriend of Chris Parker. And then you're talking about Daryl. Daryl Coppersmith? Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, what's the... I was going to mention it, too. The girl that he's at the restaurant with later is like, oh, Sesame. Yeah, her name's Sesame. 
it's sesame i wrote the full name down because i was like this is literally one of the worst names you could give a child yeah i don't know if i wrote it down but i just remember her name oh yeah sesame plexer Ses- sesame plexer yeah <laughs> i was like oh this is brutal <laughs> yeah her parents don't love her yeah that's uh that's a real firm like i, I don't care for you and if your name is sesame and you're listening i love your name yes it is and especially if it somehow happens to be sesame plexer beautiful name you are, it's beautiful, and you're a beautiful person inside and out. <laughs> <laughs> and I love to, like, again, you know, they so they're on the car trip. They're, they're going into the city to go pick up Brenda to try and save her. And, you know, you hear a little bit more about Mike's backstory, too, that he apparently beat up Daryl because Daryl touched his Camaro, which <laughs> I went back and forth if that actually happened because Daryl seems like a bit of a storyteller. But yeah, I think it, I'm going to choose to believe it happened. Yeah, I think so, too. Daryl's like... You know, he's, yeah, that's something he would totally do. You know, he would, he would cross that line. I love to like the whole recurring thing throughout the, the movie, the playboy spread, you know, oh "Oh my God, it's Miss, Miss March. March. It is It's like, everybody's freaking out over it. And they, you know, they show these full pictures and she's like full again, you know, I, whatever, but she's fully clothed and they're all freaking out over it. I was like, this is got to be one of the tamest playboy magazines that's got people's feathers in a ruffle that has ever been out there <laughs> this was like i remember this being like tagged as like a family movie there's and there's quite a few you know jokes and you know adult themes and chop shops and i mean there's yeah it's kind of funny that i was watching this a lot as a kid well we will have a similar type movie next week we will we'll talk about that at the end but definitely uh i was thinking the same thing and even uh, like i watched it on um I watched. We had the DVD, and then I saw it was on HBO Max, and I looked at the description. And it's like, oh, fun, family-friendly movie. I'm like, I mean, yeah, kind of, but there's also some f bombs and. Hey, such was the '80s. Hey, man, that's why I literally I have a note here because of some of this stuff. Like, the '80s was the greatest decade of movies, and I will fight people about it. It's like the Wild West, man. So great. That's anything could happen. Hey, uh, did you happen to catch the superheroes shoutouts? I heard Thor, Captain America. Did she mention Iron Man? No. No. There's two more. One of them is uh, pretty popular. One of them is total random. That's why I wrote it down. Dare, Daredevil. I remember yeah, that one. Nailed it. I can't remember the other one, though. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah, so I got, I got the less popular of the two. Yeah, good for Daredevil. I, I remember really liking it because I was a big Captain America fan as a kid. That was awesome. And, I mean, who wouldn't be a Captain America fan anyway? You should be. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't popular when we were kids. Like, I mean, I mean, he was, you know, if you were in the comics, you might like him. But, I mean, yeah, there were, there were no awesome Captain America Marvel movies, you know, floating around. No, this was, uh, I don't know, th- this was after that one super lame attempt one that they did. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the Marvel movies, actually, really comic book movies for the most part, other than at this point, Superman was like the biggest one, I think, because... Batman came out after this. Right, Batman hadn't happened yet. So yeah, Sarah's way ahead of her time. Yeah, I just like I said, she just holds out like 20, 25 years. She's just going to have a litany of success and and fun at movie theaters. Yeah, she she's got a warm surprise waited for her. All right, hey, you and I love. Hey, do you want to take a quick break? Yes, sorry, sorry to cut you. No, it's all right. Let's 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 take a break, man. That's all right. We got plenty to say about this one, so we'll take a break and we'll be back on the other side. Adios. Nobody leave this place without singing the blues. 
you're in my house. <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> you just moved. Hey, welcome back. Hey, man. I'm excited to be back. Me too. And we last left our kids in the car, but we'll pick it back up on the highway here. Go for it. The uh, the whole story she's telling Sarah about the guy with the hook hand. That's another. Re- that's like part of the reason I'm like, God, I love '80s movies because she's telling this little girl this story about this guy that's gonna come with a hook hand and claw your face off, and she's just laughing like, "Oh, that's great." I love the I love the tone her voice takes. Her voice changes when she gets to that part. You know, where you're like, you know, rips mm. her face off, and it's, you know, it's mush. And I love that's so great. I know. And, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Oh, it's fantastic. But then, then the tire blows out and I, um, this is one thing I got to tell you just objectively. This is one thing that bothered me throughout the movie. Daryl's like over the top laughter about things. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like I understand what we're going for, but I was like, man, that's, that's just a little too much in some instances. I was actually watching with Miss Hightower, Mrs. Hightower. And she said the exact same thing. Daryl, I think Daryl was getting on her nerves. Mrs. Cash was saying the same thing. She she's like, please make sure that you mention that this week when you're talking about the show. I was like, noted. <laughs> I think it's a, honestly, if I feel like there's two reactions there in real life, like a you know young dumb teenage kid, they're either gonna be super scared or they might think that's hysterical. So I don't know. I could see it that way too. And then like Sarah, Sarah's the same reaction too. She's like. <laughs> Oh, so cool. Like, no, it's not cool. Like, blowing a tire on a busy interstate is not cool. You know what else feels really realistic? Is when Chris got the call to go pick up Brenda. She, you know, they rush out of the house or whatever. And she totally forgot her purse. That feels so real to me. Like, I do that all the time. I forget, you know, my mask or my wallet or, you know. Yeah. I, so I would said, like, um, in my mind, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But then, we like we talked about here, and we'll get to it a little bit later, but she remembers the cough syrup. Right, yeah. I, I was I was like, okay, I mean, I get it. It's a, it's a throwaway. But that was my one reason. I was like, it's a really odd thing to just loop into this movie. But oh, well. <laughs> yeah. That was, what a great babysitter. But yeah, she has no purse, and so she can't pay for a flat tire or the uh, tire to be fixed. And then we get a meet what I think is probably one of, if not my favorite character of the movie, Mr. Mr. Handsome John Pruitt. John Pruitt. When he rolls up, I thought it, we were in Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's, that's true. Jurassic Park totally stole their logo from Handsome John Pruitt's uh, big rig. Yeah, 100%. No doubt. And I love like how he gets out, Axel, you know, kind of suspicious, you know, at least for the movies, the whistling. And- yeah. And he pulls the hook hand out, and the kids just totally react. Yeah. Like, I, I understand, you know, you'd be freaked out, obviously, as a kid. But just putting putting yourself in Mr. Pruitt's shoes, like, okay, these kids are standing here laughing at or being scared to death of my deformity, and, like, totally being mean to me. I was like, man, what a nice, just a genuinely nice guy, other than the fact that he goes to his house and beats somebody up. Yeah, he has, his character has quite the... Uh... I don't want to say mood swings, but just uh, he he's uh, going in a lot of different directions. He is. This is that moral ambiguity that we were talking about. This this movie is a moral study. Yeah, because he you're right. Like he is very you know he's very sweet. Like he's gonna 
he's immediately like almost immediately gonna buy he's gonna buy them a new tire, which can't be cheap. No, fifty bucks. Yeah. I guess they're making you know you making get, that '80s money. That's right. Well, especially him as a you know tow truck person, he's he's clearly got that kind of money to spend. I think. Mm-hmm. But I love to like the other. You were talking about you know the the wild mood swing. So loads loads up the car. Chris does the right thing. You know she's like I'm sorry. You know we're we're from Oak Park and blah blah blah. And he even makes a comment like you must be from the suburbs to like totally calls him out. But then they're in the car together or in the front of the cab together. And Daryl of course asks the one question that you would expect him to ask like Hey what happened to that hand? <laughs> you know and he tells that story. He's like Yeah you know they wanted to bury it but I wouldn't let him. You know it's in the glove compartment. Yeah. And then not two minutes later, we find out that there's a loaded gun in the glove compartment. Yeah, so he gets the call from Dawson on the CB, who tells him that you know the you know his wife's you know messing around on him, and he immediately goes from nice guy to grabbing a gun out of his out of the uh, glove compartment and tr- attempting to commit murder. And just like putting everybody's life in danger, driving psychotically. But then this gets to that like you ta- mentioned before. Hitting that little lawn ornament guy like like what they do in Home Alone. Yeah. Appar- apparently that's his calling card. That was, he wanted that to be his calling card from his movies. Yeah, I don't know his movies that well. I know he does it in Home Alone. I don't know if he does it in other ones, but that's kind of funny that he did that. Yeah. It was so like I was like, oh that's that's the point when I was watching it the first time. I was like, man, this has like a, a home alone feel because of this. And then I was like, oh duh, it was Chris Columbus. Like it's the same same director. That's why it has the same feel. Yeah, so John Pruitt fires off a handful of shots here, including one to the windshield of Chris Parker's mother's car. Yeah, get, shoots his own vehicle too, scares the bejesus out of the kids, and then yeah, it's it's Chris Parker's mom's car. Is like, again, you know, gun safety one hundred and one. If you're going to have it, know how to use it, guys. So true. But yeah, then they hop in the uh, the car of the adulterer while he him and uh, John Pruitt are about to throw down. And then we meet uh, maybe one of the best characters in the film. Yeah, I he he was one of the top ones for me too, Joe Gibb. You know, and again, this guy's stealing a car to take it to a chop shop, but he's going to take care of these kids and and drive them. You know, he's like, right, I'll take you here. He kind of watches, you know, silently watches over them throughout the entire movie. But I was like, man, there are some like shady characters, but with heart of gold kind of thing in this movie, which is really really interesting to me for a movie that's a lighthearted family comedy. <laughs> I ain't driving to no mall. I, yeah. And that's, I, I mentioned that too. Like this is a un unutilized sequel material, even a prequel. Like why, why is Joe so against malls and why does he not like Boise, Idaho either? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Shots fired. Like he, he was he immediately. <laughs> gloves are off. Hey, you said his name. You said Joe Gibb, right? Yes. How do you, how would you spell it? Uh, J O E G I B B. Yeah, G I B B. Okay, so I've been watching this movie for you know probably thirty years or more, and I've heard the same thing. Joe Gibb, right? Like the kind of like the old Redskins coach, Joe Gibbs. Yeah. If you actually like look up in the credits, it's Joe Gip with a, with P's. Really? Of, yeah. It's oh, so it is. It's it's even on the I'm on the IMDb page right now. Yeah, it says it right there. Yeah. It's they clearly say Joe Gibb though. <laughs> I that's what I I thought. Okay, he said Joe Gibb. Like, all right, cool. Like, I didn't even didn't even yeah. bat an eye. Like, wow, good catch. I did not see that. I just, I've noticed that, like, you know, for 
I don't know, maybe the last five years or so. It's always bothered me, but the movie, huh. it was like a clerical error when they were, you know, like putting up the credits, maybe originally. They definitely say Joe Gibb. <laughs> they just stuck to it. Yeah, it's a Gibb. Too, too late now. We've committed to it. Stick with it, guys. <laughs> Run with it when the credits. The die has been cast. That's right. <laughs> Town is, towns are changing. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so he's, you know, he, he he vows to protect the kids. And then this is what, like I said, they were talking about the cough syrup thing. She's turning around like, don't eat the crunch bar. Take your <laughs> cough syrup. I was like, how, how did you remember the cough syrup, but not your purse? But, uh, you know, that would obviously make for a boring movie. So right. we, can't be doing that. But, yeah, he drives him to the chop shop headquarters. And I was, when I said that I wanted to watch this and you said you hadn't seen it, like this was the first thing that popped into my mind when we get to meet this main bad guy, because I was like, oh, I know there's a movie that you like that you're going to, you're going to recognize this bad guy from. It took, so it took me a little bit, but I was watching, I know what you're saying. I was like, okay, this guy, like, where is he coming from? So I actually, I, cards on the table, I had to break down and look it up. And then as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, God dang it. I totally should have caught that. It's, uh, I even put it on our Instagram page in, in the comments, the outlaw Josie Wales, the, uh, yeah, one of the bounty hunters going after Josie Wales. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, so the man he's credited his name is Bleak. I don't know if they ever say it. Yeah, I didn't hear that. I, I wrote that down too, and I was like, maybe I missed it, but I'd never heard them say that. Yeah, like when he, when you told me you hadn't seen it, that was like I was like, oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin that. I want him to see it. So yeah, jo- Josie is actually our golden retriever, and that's the reason she's named that way. We were like, we like the name Josie for a dog, and we're like. Works both ways, so yeah. Oh yeah. One of one of the favorites in our other dog, Taw from the War Wagon. So we have a John Wayne and a Clint Eastwood pet name here. So we're equal opportunity household. And they hate each other. And they do hate each other. <laughs> Never would have been in a movie together. Um, but yeah, I was like, it took me a little bit, and I was like, God, where is this guy from? And then his voice too is like just such a good bad eighties, you know, eighties movie bad guys. You know, you know, just super raspy. Like, have you been smoking since you got out of the womb, bud? Like, that is a real deep raspy voice you got there. Cleveland's dead. I don't like the way they've been doing your business. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I, got, like, I got a great story about this guy. So John Davis Chandler, who we're talking about, Bleak. So we were going to watch this on or this weekend, I guess, and. No lie, I popped on a murder she wrote the night before I ended up rewatching this. I I love murder she wrote, but I also love just seeing like you know what guest stars are in it and like where I can identify people from different movies. So anyway, I just chose a random episode, and this guy popped up at, in the episode. This uh, the you know the main bad guy in this movie. No kidding. Yeah, he was the victim. He gets murdered on a bus. And I was like, oh man, how about that? Man, well, an unrelated note too. Just since you brought up murder, she wrote. Um, did did Jessica Fletcher ever get on the police payroll? Because she's she should be writing things, but man, she's busy solving all the town's murders. She's a workhorse, man. Like I, so yeah. I mean, she does a lot of traveling though. Like a lot of the episodes I've watched, she's not even in Cabot Cove form. So she's she's been getting around and uh, at the end of season one. So an uncredited FBI agent. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> Yeah, she. It's funny the police just immediately spill all the details of all the cases to her. Also, she's got a trusting face. I mean, it's Angela Lansbury for God's sakes. You tell her anything. She's an angel. 
but yeah, so we, you know, the, the kids get out of the car, we meet, um, so the other, like, bad guy, too, like the, the Darth Vader, so to speak, the, the again, I, I think he, Joe says his name in this scene, Graydon, 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 I'm not sure, I'm pronouncing it, um, Wrong but camera. he, yeah, he's been in. Um, I I recognized him immediately from like Wedding Crashers, um, yep. but I know he's been in a ton of things too. I think he's like one of the and the, security guards in Home Alone too, isn't he? Or so like he's got um, He pops up. I'm, no, nothing. I'm. I was gonna say I'm not sure, honestly. Yeah, he's just kind of got that like familiar looking face, but I don't think he's been in a. I feel like he's a cop in every other movie he's in. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> But I love like to, so they get uh, obviously they're all you know pissed at, at Joe for bringing these kids to their hideout and they're like well they can, you know the the police can, you know, they can lead the police here and take them upstairs and they fi- you know they find the way out eventually we we'll cut back to Brent here briefly but I just love like their solution for the time they like stick them upstairs for the time being like yeah, all right I mean, nothing nothing bad can happen there so Joe seemed like a good guy you know as mm-hmm. a kid as a kid I love Joe. He's so cool. Uh, but if you actually care about the well-being of these kids, would you actually take them to your illegal chop shop? 100% no. Like, I feel like, yeah, you could probably you know take a quick detour and drop them off to a safe spot. Yeah, I feel like he almost got them killed. Maybe it was he looked at it and he said, okay, I can either take them to the chop shop or I can take them to a mall. And I'm not going to a mall, so. I ain't going to no mall. That's right. Hey, he and me, he and Robin Scherbatsky should meet up. Maybe they'll uh, they'd hit it off because she doesn't like malls either. <laughs> when, hey, when the kids are when the kids are walking on the ra- like rafters to escape the chop shop, I can vividly just picture my mom watching this movie. And you know, when the Mrs. Anderson's at the party, they're like cutting back and forth to the parents at the party, and the kids mm-hmm. escape. Mom's like, "Oh, Sarah's probably hanging from the rafters." And the next thing you know, we see her up there, like my mom, you know, huge pop for that joke from, from uh, Mama Hightower. <laughs> it's, it's a good, like, it's a good segue. And I made a note of that too. Like, well, I, we'll get to it at the end, but I'm like, what did she say? Because they called obviously and they didn't answer. So like, how did she smooth that over at the end of the movie? Great question. And I love to like the, so the, obviously like the rust that's on the beam as they're walking across like, you know, she kicks a little bit of it off and, and Joe's watching them like and it just falls perfectly into that guy's coffee cup. <laughs> I love I love when stuff like that happens in movies. She's like, that's just going to fall. And not only that, like the angle that they show them walking across the beams, those guys sitting at the table, like how oblivious are you that you can't out of your peripheral be like, hey, uh, any, anybody want to watch these kids walking across this beam up here and make sure that they don't get away? Yeah, I, that. Man, those kids walking on those beams are giving me some anxiety. And Daryl has to go and ruin everything, too, and take the Playboy that he sees to try and replace the one that he swiped from his old man. You know, I don't think I ever realized the joke of when Ron Canada was like, oh, yeah, I, uh, I uh, took the Playboy upstairs. I, had, you know, I wanted to read an article. Yeah, I, never, I, I, I never got that joke as a kid. I didn't either. I just thought to say, like, I, I, I think it was the third time I watched. I was like, oh, I get, I get what's going on here. <laughs> so great, kind of like, <laughs> you know, I was, you know, yeah. I, I took it upstairs. But yeah, he's like, yeah, they, they got away. So the kids made their escape. Um, 
you know, they get chased down. But we also, before we get into the rest of that, that we kind of go back and forth um, in the movie between Brenda's plight and the kids. So in the meantime, Brenda gets her glasses stolen by that lady sleeping in the chair. And she's like, I can't see. It's just, it just sets up for such like funny scenes later on in the movie. But I love when stuff like that happens, especially in these kinds of movies where it's like, you're just deliberately setting this up to be funny later. And I'm 100% on board with it. Oh yeah. Love it. But then we get into one of my favorite scenes of the movie. So they, you know, they, the bad guys are chasing him around. Um, and bleak as he's called in the movie, you know, convinces Joe to, you know, drive the car basically and chase after him. Be like, what do you know about these kids? But they end up in the silver dollar room or blues club excuse me <laughs> come in behind the guys playing and you know the, the show right there so there's you know at least 50 to 75 people in there i would think yeah and i gotta say this this club has got a hell of a business model ain't nobody getting out of here without singing the blues like <laughs> man if everybody sings the blues you're talking you know 50 to 75 songs a night you're gonna be there all night man huge bar tabs for the people that are there that is true. That's a great. That's a great call, man. And the and the band's fingers are going to be falling off at that point. Well, I mean, if they're just doing the old, you know, bam, 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 that's like, true. Probably not too bad. I I just the whole scene. I I love to be just how how into it he is, and <laughs> ain't nobody gets out of here without singing the blues. And then, you know, I can't sing, and then. They start, she starts telling just a little bit about themselves and then, they, you know, and like the, the normal blues riff. But if I'm in that crowd and I'm listening to the story these kids are saying, like, do you, does somebody want to go, hey, like on all seriousness, guys, do you, do you need some help? Like, should we call the cops? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's got to be, you know, a lady out there who's a mother and like, oh, gosh. These kids need some, you know, they need the authorities. Like, I should go call someone. Yeah, this is bad. Like, this this is not good for, for what these kids are going through right now. But, man, oh, man, do they love the plight. You know, it, the babysitting blues. Everybody gets on board with it. I think that's what it is. You're right. It's, you know, they were like about to, you know, help them. And then they started laying down some hot jams. And it was like, hey, ain't nobody got time for that. I love it, too. And, like, the, the you know, um, Brad and Sarah and Daryl, like, their little chime-ins that they sing, too. And I don't know. I, like, I just, the cheesy kind of song scenes like this, I don't know. It's, if it's done right like this, it's just, to me, it's a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you said it. This, I mean, I don't think it's any question. This is the best scene of the movie. And I want to say, so I had a couple, like, un, unfulfilled sequels ideas that they, they did not explore enough. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about the bad guys. But in particular, he stops them before they get out of the club, too. He's like, ain't nobody gets out of here without singing the blues. What was their song? I want to hear what they were singing about. Yeah, I think that they're going to, you know, they're going to push back. And, you know, I think a, we don't see it on screen. But, yeah, I would like to have seen a scuffle in the club. And, like, those two, those two dudes, you know, show kind of. You know their strengths, and you know, knock a few people out, make them a little more threatening. Yeah, I I agree. That but otherwise they're just kind of like the, uh, you know, Harry and um, oh God, I, I don't know, from Home Alone. Nerve. Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, you're right. That's such a great scene. I love all the just, I mean, just perfect scene. I love Daryl's chime-ins of Brenda's probably dead. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> and again, so the people in the club, they're like. Hey, why are these kids in here and why are they singing about 
you know, kids being dead and yeah, screw it. Let's clap along. This is catchy. So great. <laughs> but yeah, I think we, we, I think we've got to mention that. So the stolen playboy has like all these, uh, stolen car, uh, stats or information on them that the bad guys need. So that's why they're chasing them. And yeah, when it was, the- it was like a totally, you could tell like dubbed in line when they're getting in the car, like, the notes yeah. from the Philly job are in there. That could put us away for 20 years. Like it to- totally sounds like somebody's just reading off a piece of paper whenever they get in the car. Yeah. That was some post post audio there, but they, they rouse the house with their rendition of babysitting blues and make their escape. And obviously, you know, the bad guys get stuck behind. So then we get this scene. And again, that, you know, eighties family movie and they're walking along the, basically like it looks like along the the lake's edge and they're they're talking and brad's yeah. obviously make he's you know he makes his move on chris and you know mike's a jabroni and he shouldn't you know you shouldn't be going out with him he's terrible he's kind of a you know a douchebag and you know i'm the one you should be with it's sarah in the background i love to she's like oh please don't like <laughs> <just laughs> ruining the yeah. moment for him yeah she knows where it's headed and it's not a pretty picture. Did you notice? Did you notice in the scene also that Daryl runs away? I love that they put this little tidbit in there. You like when they're walking and talking, like Brad's kind of pouring his heart out, and all of a sudden Daryl just takes off and sprints away. Yes. Did you notice that? Yes, I did. And then we find, and then we find out it's because he finds a lady of the evening. That's what I said. <laughs> talking to a woman of the night. <laughs> She's far too I, old for you. Yeah, I'm seventeen. And they, I love the look. They both give her like, oh. Yeah, that's, man, I love that little tidbit. Good job, Columbus. And the, so the movie could have taken a really dark turn. They're like, okay, so yeah. this young kid, you know, 15, 14, 15, whatever years old, is talking to a 17-year-old woman of the night. Mm-hmm. And there, she, like, you can tell, like, it starts to shift to that tone. Like, oh, man, she ran away, and now she's selling her body for and like oh brenda and then they just run up like hey good luck with your plight like hopefully it, hopefully it works out for you yeah maybe like maybe chris the next day you know puts a call in you know try to get that girl some help she's a stand-up person like i, th- I think she would i think she would do that yeah i think it's so fun this is a total 80s movie where you can make like an underage like prostitution joke and like not you know yeah, no, think twice nobody bats an eyelash like yeah that's fine Oh yeah, hey, that's the 80s. yeah, that's Chicago eighties. Yeah, this checks out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sabbath true. Yes, but then the uh, then again we you know this is like the like I said we cut back and forth so then we get the scene Brenda going up. You can just kind of make out like there's a little animal in the bus station and like okay what is it and she thinks it's a cat and <laughs> get away from that lady <laughs> hand it over to us. What is it? You don't want to <laughs> kill this poor kitty? That's a giant sewer rat. <laughs> It's a jumbo sized sewer rat. What a what a very uh, calm and clean looking sewer rat. Man, Mrs. Hightower said the same thing. They should have she's like, Yeah, it looks just like a pretty calm, like well cared for pet rat. Yeah. They should have got like a mangy a mangy looking one, you know, like a Maybe it was maybe it was the old dude's uh pet, you know, in the phone booth. Maybe that's his pet. Could have been. Hands over, lady. So we, <laughs> yeah, so we can do it. <laughs> And then I love to like they're so they're urgent, like hand it over to us now. You know, you got, it's a sewer rat. We got to kill it. And then she takes off running and screaming. And then it's like everybody's laughing at her, like, "Oh, what an idiot!" Yeah. 
a part of me thinks that is it possible that Brenda is imagining all the stuff like she's a teenager, you know, she's, you know, emotions running high. She ran away from home. She's scared. Is she making all this up in her mind? I, this is, I, know, it's her... possible. I mean, obviously, you know, for it's a movie, so we see like, you know, the physical things happening, but I was always, I've always wondered that. Like, are we supposed to think that, you know, she's being dramatic and not all this stuff's actually happening? Yeah, I didn't even think about that because I, again, like I was going back and forth with like the Home Alone thing too. So, you know, sometimes Kevin kind of imagines things with like the heater and things like that. So, yeah. I think it's it's yeah. a it's possible. I I certainly wouldn't say like no, there's no way like this all happened. I I think that's a reasonable step to take. Yeah. So I think I think mostly the guy with the gun and the trench coat, uh, like he's the guy that I feel like is not real. Yeah. But I could just be making that up. Also. No, I, I I'm with you there. I think that's I think it's a legitimate step or a little legitimate leap to take. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you're welcome, man. That's what we're here for. We're here to reaffirm, make make people feel good about things. Pump the positivity. That's right. But uh, yeah, so then we cut back to the uh, the babysitting gang, and um, bad guys show up again, chasing them around, and they take off up the steps and hop on the train. And I I made a note too, like that dude, the dude in the train station, like that ruined his night. Like somebody's got to pay for that ticket. Just his <laughs> night seemed just totally ruined by the fact that these kids hopped on the train. I like that guy's doing his job, though, taking a serious. Yeah, he's not. Like yeah, it. you can tell, you know, it's it's what, you know, probably in movie at movie time for this movie. It's probably between nine and ten o'clock, I'm guessing. And, you know, some people That's may right. be phoning it in, but not this guy. He's dedicated. Yeah, man. Got to yeah, pay your dues. <laughs> I uh, I made a note of this, too. So that they hop on the train. And before we will, I, I will take a break before we talk about obviously what happens on the train. But I made a note whenever. They get on the train and, you know, go pay the go pay that guy to take care of the ticket. Bleak starts talking to Joe and I like totally got flashbacks of remember you are my number one guy. <laughs> Just it seemed, it seemed so much like that. Like you're going to tell me everything you know about these kids. Like, be, I wonder, yeah, he, he does seem like he's pulling a Jack Palance uh, performance. It was it was very like I. I don't know why I was watching this. I just waited for him to like, grab his shoulders. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> Another thing I don't like about this scene when they're on the L, it's very unrealistic. Uh, as you probably know from riding on the L, it's like being on a freaking roller coaster. You know, it's like, I feel like they should have been like jerking all over the place and like almost like falling over and, you know. So I have, I have a funny side aside for you before we take our break before, because I don't want to, I don't want to dive too much into this because obviously we're getting into the, the, the scene on the train, but we were on a train um, in St. Louis leaving a uh, Cardinal game. You were on the Metro. We were on the Metro and it was like I said, obviously after a game. So it was packed. I did mm -hmm. not say this. I wanted to, and the thought crossed my mind, but I didn't have the gumption to do what this guy did, but everybody was in and packed in. They're like, man, this is, this train is just incredibly crowded. Like there's no room for anything else. And this guy just out of the background goes, Oh, come on. There's always room for jello. I freaking <laughs> lost it. I was like, who else? So sort of obscure ghostbusters two reference in like that. So I, I, I know what you mean though. Like the L it's always, it's, you get jerked around. It's always crowded. And like the, to have an entire car to themselves is not realistic. <laughs> 
so I remember when we were in Chicago, we were up for a Cub game, and I remember, like, the kids were just sitting on the train, like, and it was like they were having the time of their life. Like, we took them to an amusement park just being on the L train. It was you know, like, <laughs> rocking all over. You know, it was, it was quite the experience for them. Between that and I remember our my nephews getting up and down on an elevator. We were in a hotel in Chicago, and they're like, get on the elevator. You know, just for some reason, <laughs> that stuff blows them away. The little stuff. That's right. But we can we can take, like I said, I know we, we were talking about here, we can take a quick break. We can come back here and we'll talk about the exciting uh, train gang scene. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the Lords of Hell when we come back. Lords of Hell, not to, like, not to be confused with the Lords of Death. <laughs> we'll be back. Adios. Hi. <clears throat> um, my name's Chris Parker. I live in Oak Park. That's a suburb. They probably figured that out. <laughs> what up? Don't F with the babysitter, man. <laughs> Don't F with the lords of hell. Man, <laughs> you blew my mind when you said that. I didn't even make that connection. It's dangerously close to Lords of Death, which was in... Big Trouble in Little China just a year prior. That's uh, that's all I could. We kept like, nobody Fs with the Lords of Death. I was like, oh, they stole that from Big Trouble in Little China, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I mean, this is, so this came out like a year, basically a year later. So while they're filming this, it couldn't have taken that long. So they, there's a good chance Chris Columbus saw that movie, or who, if there was someone else on the writing team, saw that movie and wrote it in. Chains death to hell. It's one hundred percent. That's what happened. I'm sticking to I, it. I don't even. I'm not even going to fact check it. The, the timing of it makes too much sense. <laughs> but this whole this again another reason why I was like, God, I love '80s movies. So just it's a PG-13 movie. Yeah. <laughs> Kids are on a train. There's rival gangs. You know, calling Elizabeth shoot the B word. That you know, dropping f bombs, and it's still a PG-13 movie. It's yeah. Usually you only get one f bomb, but they got two like back to back. I know, like right one after another. And I, I think normally it's only one, and even that I think has been updated. Like I feel like there was a time when it was like only one even would get you into that category. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm shocked. But the whole scene, you know, the 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 two gangs coming together on the train, like you know, nobody leaves, and they're going back and forth, and swearing it swearing at her and then brad tries to step in and be a man you know don't don't, don't do this and ends up getting a knife in the foot i will <laughs> just so casually about it too just goes in his foot and he's like oh <laughs> i will say that these uh both of these gangs were very diverse so good for them yeah there's a well i mean it was it's a big city so there's there's probably a lot to choose from i mean that's just good that they're you know you know, keeping their eyes open and, you know, just, I feel like they're, you know, they're seeking out people who are good at, you know, robbing and stabbing and, you know, not just, re, you know, judging a book by its cover. So good for these gangs. Hey, listen, they, they're credo. They probably, they regulate the stealing of any property and they're damn good too. <laughs> Can't be any geek off the street. Clearly. 
but I, yeah, like I said, I love. So they just they throw the knife in Brad's foot, and just so casually, they're like, "Oh God!" And then they're like, they're all carrying him like he's dying. And there's, I was like, "There's no blood or anything." Which I, again, I understand. Like the the whole point is obviously it's a very traumatizing time. I was like, "Man, they're really uh, really selling this. Like this is a big deal here, carrying him around like all everybody's got him. Like he's like half dead." <laughs> Gets the stiff leg syndrome. That's right. And then they get to the hospital, and I. Before we we get into you know what happens at the hospital, we cut back to Brenda too. And this this oh, was man. I I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, I did they intentionally do oh, this? Yeah. Just quite possibly the best quote of the movie. I will give you this check. It's a good check. I'll just transfer the money over to you. I work based <laughs> off cash. You don't slip me the cash. I don't slip you the wiener. <laughs> Whoa! So that's a double entendre, I believe. <laughs> Double entendre, yes. It's um, <laughs> not only that too. And then I'm thinking, like, okay, you know, just again putting it in terms of like, if this movie was made today, like, this 40, 50 year old man telling a high school girl, like, yeah. give me the cash and I'll slip you the wiener, like, that just throws up so many red flags today. But man, back in the 80s, this just it's it's just a funny, good, good, wholesome, old fashioned family time. Man. And what I take issue with most is two bucks for a hot dog in 87. That seems high. Yeah. 87. I, I was, I guess, yeah. you know, a dollar maybe. And that, that seems expensive. But two well, again, bucks. it's the big city. So everything costs a little bit more. I mean, it's still like a, just a freaking random, you know, hot dog guy. I don't know. <laughs> Bus station hot dog guy. Yeah. He's two bucks. That's, yeah. That seems a little much. Maybe he's got the market cornered, and he feels like he can jack up the prices. And well, he's very aggressive, so yeah, I'm sure he's you know beating out the competition. <laughs> Another double entendre. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I that was I was, like, I was like God, that was that had me. I was dying laughing. I had to pause it for a second before I went into the next scene. I was like, I'm gonna miss something if I'm laughing at this one. So that that definitely caught me off guard first time I watched it. Yeah, that's a great scene. Everything with Brenda and it's magical. I know. And then we cut back to the uh, the hospital and come to find out Brad gets one stitch from the most lackadaisical, careless doctor. <laughs> oh, dear. I love that he got one stitch. That's Is that even a thing? What a, what a surgeon do or, you know, a doctor or whatever. Would they even waste their time on putting in one stitch? I can't imagine it would just be one, no. And I love that he acts surprised about it too. Like if anybody's ever gotten stitches, you you know you're getting stitches. <laughs> it's like one stitch is like one stitch. That's it. Like, were you not watching your foot whenever he was stitching your toe up? <laughs> Do you have any stitches? I have had. Let's see. I had five on my thumb. Wow. I had fifteen or so. I had my appendix out. Oh my. Um, I had four or five on my cheek whenever my cheekbone got broke. Oh, jeez! And then my gallbladder—they did the that surgery too. So I had three different incisions. So I had like overall, I think like ten on those, ten or twelve on those. So I've I've had stitches for the worst one was the thumb because I was totally awake and they had to put the numbing stuff in to do it. And uh-huh. boy, howdy, that was not pleasant. I and, and I'm assuming that you you know naturally you tell people that they're either from shark bites or knife fights. 
I yeah I I shark knife. Um, sometimes I like to t yeah sometimes I like to tell them I was uh, I ran into a fire hydrant trying to do an ollie off a skateboard. But other than that, it depends on the crowd I'm in. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> like the conveniently timed doctor, the other stab wound victim died. <laughs> oh dear. And then they of course cut outside and. He gets them confused and tells tells the group that, yeah, the stab stab victim died. I just, I love like convenient plot points like that. Those, yeah, this is, perfectly timed. Just, yeah, oh, that's great. Just a fun, like you know, just you know, good wholesome eighties fun right there. The doctor, too, the doctor's cracking me up. Just so disinterested. Like I made a mistake. <laughs> But yeah, while the kids are getting in the hospital too, you know, we see that the the dude that uh, was at the Pruitt household earlier is there, and he's like, "Hey, those are the kids that stole my car." So after everything, after the dust settles, and you know, Brad comes out, and everybody's all ex happy to see him again. They're like, "Oh no, the paperwork's coming." Hey, you kids, you know, give me back. You stole my car, and blah blah blah. And then out of nowhere comes Pruitt with the shoulder check, <laughs> like hacksaw Jim Duggan. That's right. Oh, just. <laughs> The only thing missing was the two by four and the American flag, man. <laughs> God, I love that too. It just love, he just pops out of nowhere. Like, was he just sitting there listening, waiting for this right opportunity yeah. to? <laughs> all right, now I, there's going to come a time when I got to pop out of this room and save these kids. I'm going to do it. He was lying in wait for sure. I love it. And I he, love it too. He's got morals. He's like, he's like, all right, your car's at uh, you know, Dawson's garage. I uh. You know, I, you know, I paid for the window. You know, that's on me. I shot it out. <laughs> but, but I and he may so he may have. Um, I was wondering about this because when he first tows him, he's like, you know, hey, I'll, I'll pay for the tire. Don't worry about it. And then he pays for the window that he shot out. So my question becomes: Did he not have the fifty bucks? He shot the window out because he's like. I got, I can, I can put a windshield in easier. I had some credit or something. And then he's like, sorry, I can't do the tire now. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming seems the window would be way more expensive. I mean, I agree. I'm not get me wrong. I just, I, you know, it seems convenient. Like, Hey, I'll replace the tire. Like, well, never mind. I shot out your window. So I'll replace that. But now I can't cover the tire. Like, Hey, yeah. that's a little suspicious, pal. <laughs> hey, that's on me. I'll cover that. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry for shooting that up. So that's that's my bad. But you know, rest is on you. You got to make you made your own bed. You got to lie in it now. Awesome. Oh, and then we're gonna stumble upon a college party here at the University of Chicago. That's right, man. And Daryl just you know, sorry, it's time to party. And I think other if it wasn't for the fact that Sarah's like, I gotta make, which I don't understand where that saying has ever come from. Every time I hear it in a movie, like I gotta make, like yeah. You got to make that just, I don't like it. I don't like that saying you say, I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I don't like it either. But yeah, they come into the party and Daryl. <laughs> so first I, I had a couple of notes about the party. So I was like, first and foremost, that band that's performing with discount Phil Collins as their lead singer is like, <laughs> all right, guys, we need a gig Saturday night. You know, what do, what do you want to do? <laughs> well, we got a frat house that's willing to pay us in beer. <laughs> Sold. I'm gonna t tell the wife I'm gonna hold off. I'm not gonna be home for dinner. You know. Hey man, that's South guys. That's Southside Johnny Lion you're talking about. <laughs> I just it just made me laugh. I was like, God, he looks 
so much like Phil Collins did in the 80s. Yeah, he's way too old to be at that college party. But, man, they're just jamming out, you know, uh, Highway or Highway to Love or whatever it was. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I just was... Hey, uh, man, it, it was catchy. I couldn't get past the fake Paul Rudd that Chris runs into. I know. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, my God. He looks so much like young Paul Rudd. It's so funny. And it's not him. No, not no, it's not. And I like the the fact that these kids are like, oh my god, this is it. and this is again that reoccurring like Playboy theme where she's she looks like yeah saffron or whatever it is. It's, it's March. It's still there. And Daryl too, like he's standing at that bar top with all those guys. Yeah. He really enjoyed being called a talking penis for some reason. Like, man, he got a kick out of it. Dude, I love it that his response to like them taking shots is to drink. I think it was popcorn, like a yeah, a pint glass of popcorn. It's a, yes. it's a weird move. He laughed at them and then drank the pint of popcorn. It's 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 a power move on his part for the most part. He's just he's just loving life. He is, man. He's having a blast. He's. He gets swooped up by uh, that lady too, which oh, yeah. I have. I have a fun fact about that lady. Oh, really? It's it's kind of fun, but it's it also is for our prerequisite. Kurt, mes, mes, bleh, men, easy for me to say. Mention in the podcast. So, hey. the lady that pulls him aside, Lolita Davidovich. Davidovich. I'm not trying to pronounce her name. I believe it's. I was like. I believe the C is silent. Um, oh, yeah, Lolita Davidovich. Okay. So she, I was like, God, this lady looks familiar. And I started looking up her IMDb page. She actually played Kurt Russell's wife in the movie Dark Blue. What? Yeah. That's her? Wait. That's her. I I was like, God, she looks kind of familiar. But she, if you'll look it up, I confirmed. I don't think that's her. Look it up. I'm telling you, man. She's... You're talking about the girl that takes Daryl away at the party. Yeah, and she's making out with him on the staircase. But she's credited as the blonde in the movie. She's credited as a blonde, yes. But isn't that chick have dark hair? She does well. So in the dark blue movie, she has red hair. No, I'm talking about in Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, um, is dark hair? Right? Yeah, she does. I don't think that's her. I think it's someone else. I'm pretty sure. We'll have to we'll check it at the break. I will do that. I've I'm like she looks super familiar, and I was I have it up now. Going through. Yeah, I don't see anyone else that it could be, but it's weird that she'd be credited as the blonde. Hey, this is not the first time this happened because we have Joe Gipp too. Remember Joe Gipp? <laughs> Maybe it's like one of those ironic names where you like call a really huge guy tiny. Yeah, this guy's kind of medium sized, so I don't know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, first <laughs> Did you just tough talk a dead guy? Who's your wig man? <laughs> like your style. The wig. Um. Anyway, I'm sorry. So I I didn't mean to take us off on that tangent, but I was like, that's good. I was like, man, she looks familiar, and I looked. I was like, God, that's got to be her. And I was like, okay, she plays Kurt Russell's wife. So there's the prerequisite. Either way, Kurt mentioned. Either way, that Lolita chick is in this movie, so it still counts. Yes. Count it. So, <laughs> and I love to. So you know, the whole party scene is obviously a ton of fun, and then 
that like the totally subtle one too that I made a note of. So when Sarah's coming, <laughs> going to the bathroom and that dude with the Viking helmet comes out yeah. and he like gives her like the approving thumbs up. Like, <laughs> I don't know why just that quick little aside really tickled me. I like my favorite thing at the party is in the background. You can see a poster of uh, the fridge. William, the refrigerator, Yeah, William Perry. That was awesome. Apparently I, I was reading through like the IMDB thing. So, so there was like a, unfilmed scene or something that like the those college kids were like trying to steal jock straps or something like, i didn't fully understand it but they're like there's a mention of it in the movie i was like i did not catch that at all i just figured since it was chicago like there's a wrigley field stuff at the house there's bear stuff i'm like yeah. that that checks out so i did not pick up on that whenever i was watching the movie good move on cutting that out or not adding that whatever they did yeah or not filming or whatever it was or whoever made it up that's a terrible lie yeah. Oh man, I have a note here. I totally forgot about. So you were talking about the singer looking like Phil Collins. I wrote, I wrote down. Singer reminds me of MacGruber when he goes to the party and he's got his like hair. <laughs> yeah. Can I take your plop hunt? Nice try. <laughs> Chug. I just took an upper decker. Uh, that's where you go in the toilet bowl, and not the you go in the upper decker. <laughs> By the way, thank you for that upper decker you left him. <laughs> <laughs> McGruber, meet my daughter. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh man, great movie. Oh, but yeah, so um, and this gets to that scene like you were talking about. So we get to the point where one of um, it's his name's Dan that she she takes a liking to yeah. apparently, but one of Dan's friends, apparently the the chick that Daryl is making out with on the s- stairs is his his gal. Yeah, he's not happy about it. So, you know, they chase him off and, and Dan kind of comes to the rescue and then we get the, the gimme shelter song playing as they're driving to Dawson's garage. And I was like, yeah. Oh shoot. Like, are we, are we entering a Vietnam movie? Like I, I, I feel like I only hear that in war movies or. It was really weird. Cause they're, and they go like, they go down under the road. It's with the green mist. It's very, very weird scene. Yeah. Like totally out of place. It seems very strange. And you notice like it was all, it was all "Give Me Shelter" instrumental, like no actual words. For... Yeah, you never, you never heard the words. I, th- I thought the same thing too, and I was like, it, it just, it was kind of an odd place for it. Anyway, I was like, yeah, why the song seems out of place, the scene seems a little out of place, like them driving in this setting. Like I could buy that if it was like a action movie or a horror movie. I was like, yeah. what are we doing here? Maybe the bad, or maybe maybe the bad guys. Maybe the uh, the music industry gives you a, catch you a break if you only do instrumentals. Yeah. We're cutting you a deal here. Yeah. So yeah, we meet. We go to Dawson's garage and we meet Thor, or also known as Dawson, who is none other than Vincent D'Onofrio. Did you catch how he was billed at the end of the credits? No. Vincent Philip D'Onofrio. Oh. I was I was watching that and I just started laughing. I was like, oh, it's apparently his name's Vincent Philip D'Onofrio. I did not catch. I did not know that. I don't remember feeling this way as a kid necessarily, but I wrote down this is the worst scene of the movie. Yeah, I totally agree. Man, it, I just did not enjoy it. It just felt like it drug on a little bit too. I was like, just going back and forth, and <laughs> that ma- it made me laugh too because obviously D'Onofrio's never been like a physical specimen like <laughs> Chris Hemsworth was playing Thor, and I was like. This is an interesting choice. I realize it was, I, I, at least what I was reading on, in terms of like backstory stuff, like it was kind of a last minute 
addition to the movie, but it's like, this is just kind of weird. And I think it was one of the things they said, it was like after full metal jacket came out. So his, his popularity was going up after playing um, private pile in that movie. But it's like, it's just kind of a strange casting choice. That's right. I, they had the previous person casted was John Michael Thor. That's right. The dude's last name was actually Thor, even though it was probably his bodybuilding name. He was a yeah, he was a bodybuilder guy. But yeah, then they went from him to D'Onofrio. But yeah, the whole scene, like the going back and forth, arguing, like they have forty five dollars, which Dan gave him, and him and Sarah going back and forth, and her trying to give him the the hat that she, or the the Thor helmet thing that she's wearing. I was like, all right, come on, wrap it up. Yeah, a child's a child's kindness. Saves the day. Same, same thing that happens in earnest, man. The love of a child. Through the eyes of a child. <laughs> but we bust out of the garage, and then we find out that the bad guys have been waiting, camping out for him. Joe, you know, it seems like Joe maybe, he's, he, you know, they're sure. they're tailing him again. Oh, he really did. <laughs> in the meantime, though, Brenda gets her glasses back and gets chased off. <laughs> chased off by that lady steals them and then that dude with the guns running around to us like this it seems like a betty hill thing like what's what's going on right now that guy with the gun is doing the lord's work man just killing it <laughs> just make making everybody laugh with a loaded gun you know who who hasn't been there that guy should have won a golden globe at least absolutely we talked about val kilmer getting robbed this guy you know maybe it's on the same level i don't know yeah, it might be worse. Might be worse. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Then we're gonna stumble across old. Uh, I wrote Mike busted at the restaurant. Was that his name? Mike Todwell. Yeah, Mike Todwell. Bradley Whitford. Yeah. Uh, they know your time and Mike. They noticed the so cool car in the rest of nice French restaurant, and we see Mike taking Sesame Plexer out on a date. <laughs> Which again, Sesame Plexer, if you're listening. Beautiful inside and out. It's not a terrible name at all. Love your name. It's beautiful. <laughs> I just, He's just I think many of my daughters that, but uh, obviously. <laughs> but I love my daughter, so I'm not going to do. That. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, the whole seat, like, just I is so indifferent, and he's so like. You know, whatever. You know, it's it's you know, and then, of course the the classic '80s diss of. Her legs are locked from the knees down. Like, oh yeah, just just because we can't get in her pants means she's no good. Yeah. You, he calls her a kid. How old do you think uh, Whitford's supposed to be in this film? I'm guessing he's a senior too. Like, really? See, I I took him as being older than her for some reason. I I assumed he was in college, but you might be right. I don't know. I don't. It, it, the only reason I say that is because she knew who Sesame was. Oh yeah, I mean, maybe he just likes high school chicks. Maybe yeah, it could like, be. Maybe yeah, maybe McConaughey. It could be. <laughs> they they stay younger, and they I keep I keep getting older, and they stay the same age. Yeah, absolutely. Right. What an oversell too. Whenever Daryl kicks him in the behind too, he just like flops. Yeah, he was like a Mr. Perfect, one of his old cells. Oh yeah, man. Just really sold out and took out a table. It's not the finger poke poke of doom anymore. It's the the gentle kick in the behind poke of doom. Yeah, good thing Daryl's there to give him a nice kick. 
Yeah, because Brad, Brad's like, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm going to do the classy thing. And this this is a little bit of redemption for Daryl. Like, mm-hmm. hey, man, you know, this guy's got it coming. So I, I, I at least appreciated that. Yeah. And all the while, Sarah has snuck off to go check out the toy store. And uh, she's got that Playboy in, the, in her backpack. Yeah, and took uh, stole a dessert from the restaurant, too, with nobody really uh, – <laughs> nobody will say anything. And, hey, kid, come here. I got to talk to you for a minute. Just – yeah, okay. Perfect. Case. He's he, yeah, that was that was a fantastic casting choice and I loved it again 80s movies. She runs away. She's running away from the kids. They realize back at the restaurant like where's Sarah? They come outside and even that guy at the doors like you know looking at the Playboy marquee up there and like thinking that she's Miss March. So they instinctively <laughs> know to run to the toy store which she pointed out earlier. And then they instinctively run around the corner and there's a convenient plot point where she's like, mom and dad's building where she's running down the, the alleyway and the kids do the same thing. I'm like, God, I love it. Eighties movie things, things just happen and you don't question them and you enjoy them. Yeah. So Sarah runs into that building and uh, Ron Canada is in hot pursuit. And then Ron Canada has one of the biggest dick moves in this movie. He punches the janitor who's buffing the floor. Yeah, just cold cocks him out of nowhere for no reason. Yeah, he could have just ran past him. That janitor is not going to stop him. What? Yeah, just, man, cheap shot. Yeah, and I love to, like, if you'll, <laughs> I noticed this when I watched it the second and third time. So she gets into the elevator and pushes those buttons. And then, like, they cut to that camera angle of them chasing after her. And he's like, he's not running. He's like jump gliding <laughs> towards oh. the thing to, like, clearly slow himself down. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. I, I love that he's like bounce, 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 stride, 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 execute. <laughs> so true. But you'll appreciate this too. So when she comes, uh, she gets off the elevator and that floor that's under construction, which Die Hard totally ripped off. Well, so not only that, but my first thought, I was like, "Oh crap, is Shep Ramsey going to come crashing through the floor here?" If I can... <laughs> Mean Mark Callis. I was like, God, this looks exactly the same setup. You're a dead man, Ramsey. <laughs> man, I just there's so many references that you can that can be made from this. Yeah, I think Die Hard stole this. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Like it might have been the exact same set because it looks very similar. Man, I I actually read the book Die Hard is based on. I can't remember if that was set up in the book that there's a like. A level under construction or not but yeah what a what a cool i mean obviously it's way better scene than die hard but <laughs> well yeah obviously but i i like i'm and again you know i there there's a little bit of back and forth but even like okay i understand a kid's scared they're gonna do what they have to do but like what kid is like okay i can try and get back on the elevator i can hide or i'm gonna take this rope and i'm gonna climb out on this enormous building and hang out on the window so like yeah, and most like no one does that. Yeah, I don't. I don't do heights, man. So like, I'm at this point. I'm like, all right, you got me. I, yep. I put up a valiant effort. Here's here, <laughs> take me. Uh, yeah, I'm turning myself in. Thanks a lot. I'm done. I'm I'm going in without a fight now. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like, I don't mind them, but I'm certainly not. I don't mind them in the fact that if I'm on solid ground and I'm up on the level, like I can handle that. But like Empire State Building being up on the top floor, like that, that stuff skeeps me out, man. Yeah, I yeah, there's windows in there, and I can't even do it. And like, why on earth would the why on earth would Ron Canada go out? He he has no reason to go out that window. If she falls, then you go down and you know just take her backpack. And I chose to believe 
and this is me maybe thinking a little bit more positively, positively, but he looks like he almost goes out and he's like, well, I can't let this little girl fall. You think so? I, I mean, I know he wants to get the Playboy, but there's a look in his eye I, I caught. Maybe it was just me trying to be positive, but he almost seemed like he was like, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna try and go get her and still get the Playboy. Because there's a couple times, like the first time I was watching this, I was like, oh, this bleak guy is going to keep lipping off to him. And then he's going to like do it, like, like I said, like a Darth Vader thing and basically turn on mm-hmm. him and, and let him get away. So I was like, maybe this is his like redemption scene, kind of where he saves the girl. But man, I just I just got your Darth Vader reference. So yeah, Ron Ken is Darth Vader, and Bleak is uh, the Emperor. Yeah. Wow. Well done. That was just my thought. Like I said, I I came at it with fresh eyes, so that's what my impression was. Had he not just sucker punched a janitor, I would have gone with it. But I'm yeah, still, like still mad at him. <laughs> he clearly is is a full on heel still, but. <laughs> Yeah, why would you go out on that windowsill? Especially him. Like, I'm like you. Like, if that's the case and you don't care, like, yeah. all right, cool. Like, have a good time. Right. I mean, you could offer the rope, you know, try. I mean, just to try to avoid that situation. But, man, I'm never getting out on that ledge. No, not a chance. Dude's crazy. So before we get into the the climax and, the, and then the final of this movie, you want to you wanna take another quick little break here, and then we'll come back and, and wrap things up? Uh, Yeah, let's do that. Rock and roll. We will be back. Some guys are out to get us. And Brenda's probably dead. We ain't got a nickel. And they should be in bed. Welcome back. Glad to be back, man. This, uh, I'm going to wrap up an exciting movie here. I can't wait. <laughs> so I um, I happened to catch this, too. So, I, you know, we were talking about Sarah getting out on the ledge and you know, how silly that the, the whole thing kind of is and going through and doing that. So the other kids, they get off on the floor where the party's going on, as did Blake. And they're trying to, you know, conspicuously hide. So before we get into the rest of the plot, I was we were watching it the first time. Um, Mrs. Anderson was talking to that guy at the party and he's like, no, I'm sorry. You know, that's uh, you, you got the wrong guy, basically. I I was watching it. My wife, I don't know if you've ever watched it or not. My wife loves Schitt's Creek, the show. Just, yeah. She's like, man, this is a fantastic show. So I was watching. I was like, I'm pretty sure that guy that she's talking to is Bob from Schitt's Creek. And sure enough, what? just a brief little second, I happened to catch it. I was like, that's him. And I confirmed it. I triple checked it. That's the same guy. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. So not a ton of credits to his name, but I was like, "Is Bob the guy that has like the garage and like long?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. He was one of my favorite, just the way he like would like jog over in excitement to <laughs> to Eugene Levy. It's just yeah. uh, Bob. Bob was my spirit animal for a little while there. Great work, man. But yeah, anyway, um, so we get the, you know, the Chris puts on the coat to like try and blend in to the to the party and so she hides she's hiding behind the table because the andersons are walking through and then bleak sees her and you know he's obviously gonna you know i want to talk to you whatever and then mr anderson comes over to the table and talking to him and bleak sees sarah out on the ledge and and again i'm like okay i understand i understand this is a party i understand People are drinking, they're having a good time. But again, how is nobody looking out the window and being like, hey, there's a you know little adolescent girl out there on the window. So like, what's going on here? Yeah. 
Dude, what's even worse is that during the scene, uh, Chris Parker is wrapping a cord around Bleak's feet and legs. Yeah. And (laughs) when we cut back to him, he trips and is down for several minutes. Like, what injury are we, like, expected to believe he has just suffered? I know. I just... (laughs) The, the theme of this movie in some ways, too, is like just people just being totally oblivious because they were oblivious when the kids were walking on the beam. They're oblivious when she's out on the windowsill. How does he not feel the cord going around his legs like and he goes to take off and then, yeah, just totally bites it. And I heard him like, oh, did he hit his head? I'm like, OK, Dude, that was a terrible scene. They should have. Yeah, that, they should have had him like had her tie his shoes together or something where like that would take him time to, you know, undo a situation instead of him just I having was, a terrible fall. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, like, move, or if that, you're going to do that, like you're playing it for comedy, clearly like make it even more comedic and over time, like have him fall through the table and like, right, yes, have a cake, have a cake go flying through the air. Like those kinds of things. A hundred percent. Right. This is so lame. I wrote, I just wrote L O L in my note after this. Like, <laughs> so dumb. So yeah, they, so she, Chris takes off, gets, you know, gets the other two and they go up to the other floor and, toss the rope out and <laughs> I love I love this. So they pull her up. Joe like stops and was like, hey man, all they want's the Playboy basically. And you know, they give him the Playboy and then they're like, what about what about him? Oh, that's all right. He could sweat it out out there. I'm like, sweating it out is more of like you got somebody in a room and they don't know the answer to a question and they're gonna tell him anyway. Not well, we're going to let him sweat it out on a freezing cold night, you know, 40 stories up in the air on a windowsill that doesn't have a full ledge. Just let him sweat it out out there. I'm like, yeah. man, that is heartless. I think it's safe to assume that guy falls to his death. We don't see him again, right? No, we don't. And they're and, and again, they're like, I'll just let him sweat it out. And they all leave the place. So it's like, all right. And you know that Bleak's not going to go haul him up. He's, he doesn't yeah. care because he gets knocked out here in a minute. But I yeah, I was like, God, that's that is harsh. Yeah, I do like that. The I do like that. There's really no consequences. Like this is like a total '80s movie where, like, I mean, like, there's no police involved. You know? Nope. They they get their technically they get their Playboy back. You know, Joe punches out Bleak, but I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they got what they needed, and I I think they're gonna just gonna let bygones be bygones. I feel like at this point, because if like two of your main masterminds, one of them's out on a window ledge, presumably falling to his death, and the other one gets knocked out by an underling, like their their operations kind of shot. So yeah, they're probably just going to let this one slide. Yeah, I mean, I think Joe Gibbs probably going to bounce out of town and you know find some other employment. But I just, I just, I like how you know this is kind of like how things used to work out. You know, like you know, you know, police aren't involved, and you know, no one's. Yeah, taking it to social media to complain, just, you know, they just they worked it out. Well, and and you know too, like if Joe's got to, does have to find another job, you know, one place that he's not working, he he's not working in no damn mall. No, he's, so he's not going to Boise, Idaho, that's for sure. No, no, and good, th- you know, Illinois and Idaho are a little bit a ways away, so hopefully he can find some employment and maybe some of the suburbs. But um, yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like you say, just punches that punches Bleak out. They're like, "All right, cool. You know, see." You. And then, of course, that running joke again about her being Miss March. And then they finally get Brenda, and Brenda's like, "You will not believe the night that I had." 
Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. But then you know the the chase. I don't know, not even really a chasing, just the driving scene. I'm like, yeah. How fast do your parents drive? I don't know, forty five. Good, then we'll go eighty. <laughs> goodness gracious, like she <laughs> coming in real hot there. I love it too when they roll up to the house, they get back to the house before the parents, and <laughs> Chris just immediately kicks Brenda out. <laughs> Yeah, go home <laughs> after the whole movie gets set in motion because she's running away. <laughs> so great. Go home. I mean, like, she could have, like, hit out in the bushes or the, something. Yeah, I know. Or just, like, sat in Brenda's, or not, sorry, sat in uh, Chris's yeah. mom's car, like, in the back right. seat, like, laid down. Like, oh, yeah, totally. Great point. She could have just stayed in the car. <laughs> and I, I, to, I told my wife, too, we were watching this, I'm like, if you're Chris after this entire night, like there's a 0% chance you're getting any sleep tonight. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're man. That reminds me of a great story for you. When we're, when this is concluded, you just, yes. Well, uh, yeah, we can, we can wrap it up. Not a ton left here. So we get, you know, obviously Chris is like hustling to try and get everything cleaned up and, you know, back in order to how it was expected to be whenever the parents left and they come home, they're like, Oh, you know, did you have any trouble? And like, no, not really. And, and Chris goes upstairs and tells, you know, Sarah and, and Daryl and, and uh, Brad that, you know, everything's okay. We got it. You know, everything's cool. You know, no big deal. Which, again, I'm like, what did she tell her whenever she said she didn't answer? Which I guess, looking back on it, it makes more sense. Like, maybe they're busy doing something. Yeah. There's no caller ID back in the day. So I, I, can, I can let that slide a little bit more. They better worked out a story, though, of what they were doing. Oh, for sure. Mahogan does. I can die. Send you to get on board. But she goes up, you know, tells him no big deal and everything's fine. And I love to, you know, <laughs> so she comes downstairs and then Dan shows up because we forgot to mention during the chase scene home that Sarah had misplaced one of her skates. Mm. And it turns out that it was left in Dan's Jeep. I got money on it. Dan stole it out of her backpack. That's exactly what I was going to say. So a couple things I was like, one, he stole it or like conveniently like, Oh, let me, you know, get this Two, What is his plan? Since he doesn't know that this is Chris's address. Like he rolls up at this family's house one o'clock in the morning. Like what happens if he goes and knocks on the door? If he throws a rock at a window, like <laughs> did not think that through. And then three with possibly the worst and creepiest pickup line attempt I've ever heard in my life. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> like, I, I, need a ba- I need a babysitter. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, boy. Terrible. She should, have, she should have told him to leave immediately after that. But instead, she falls for it. I, maybe she's got a thing for just douchey guys. Like, oh, this guy's asking for a babysitter. He knows the way to my heart. Yeah. I, yeah. I I'm out on Paul fake Paul Rudd after that. Yeah, d- discount Paul Rudd's a no-go for us, too. Good. But that, uh, yeah, that pretty much wraps up the movie. You know, they, they uh, you know, happily ever after kind of thing. And like I said, this, um, it wasn't 100% sure what to expect with this. I had a feeling it would be kind of a, a fun 80s romp. But, man, this was, this was a blast. I'm a little upset at myself for sleeping on it for so many years. Man, I'm, I, that pleases me so much to hear you say that. I just, I love this movie so much. And I was like, I was so excited just to hear your thoughts on it being your first time. You're, you're going to be pleasantly surprised when we get to the ratings and, and rankings oh, too. So, man, should be, all right, well, first let's name a MVP of the film. 
Yeah, I um, I go back and forth, but I uh, I have to go with handsome John Pruitt just because of like he is a legitimate wild card. Yeah. No, yeah. There when you not a ton of screen about... time, but I love I love that guy. Yeah, he's yeah for sure. He's he's eating up his scenes. He's a, there's a lot of great characters, but yeah, he's probably like the best like ancillary character. Just yeah, he's uh he's bringing the thunder. I'm gonna Who go with. With my homegirl, Elizabeth Shue. I mean, it seems kind of like an obvious one, but I mean, she's the heart and soul of this film. She, yeah, I, no, I totally agree. Like her, super believable as like, a, you know, a wholesome, good girl taking care of the kids, like trying to do the right thing, trying to help everybody. Um, no, I, I agree. She, she, and, she, and her performance too, like on top of all that is just excellent. So yeah, I totally understand and, have no objections to that whatsoever. I love Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> All right, where are you going to rank this baby at? Do you need me to run through your stuff? No, so I finally I went back and actually wrote wrote it down so you don't have to do this every time. I didn't, I didn't want to put that on you. <laughs> Just for our friends at home. You have, so, you have Ghostbusters at the top, Tombstone, Ninja Turtles, Predator, Friends of Thieves. So this, yeah, this, this is it. And, and you're, you're going to be surprised by this. So, and, and this was not an easy decision for me. So I'm going Ghostbusters, Tombstone, Adventures in Babysitting, then Turtles, then Predator, then Robin Hood. Whoa. So the number, currently number three. Currently sitting at number three for me. And that was not an easy decision because Turtles holds a very special place in my heart. And I love that movie, but. I think it's mostly like, you know, I, I slept on it for too long and I'm, I'm not happy about that. It's a fun, like my kind of like, you just turn it on and enjoy it. You don't have to think, you don't have to yeah. analyze things. I just, it's just a fun eighties movie and that's right in my wheelhouse. Gosh, that, that's awesome. That, that is just fantastic. I, this has been the hardest part for me. I've been thinking about this for like two days now. I'm like where I want to rank this. It just, it's so... It's a tough decision. It's a very tough decision. I think that I'm going to go. I'm going to keep Tombstone number one. Fair. I'm going to keep Ghostbusters number two. Okay. And this is where my decision gets hard. That's what she said. Hey, I think (laughs) I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go Predator still at number three. All right. And then I'm going to put Babysitter, Adventures of Babysitting at four. Then Ninja Turtles, then Prince of Thieves. I, that's a fair ranking. Like I said, I, I really, I went back and forth. I was like, I might have it be like tied with Turtles, but nobody likes somebody that rides the fence. You want somebody that's definitive and there will eventually be some ties, I'm sure. But this early in the show's runtime, we can't be having ties right now. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's right. Man, that is awesome. I love it. It's number two for Mrs. Cash. Number two? What's her top one? Tombstone. Good for her. Good for her. She's. It's a history movie, so... I like that I mean, what lot. can you... Plus, and, and, it has, and it has Kurt, so... I, can't go wrong there. Naturally. <laughs> we'll stop for everyone. What's your uh, what's your uh, Richter scale rating? 
that you'd like yeah, to assign? So I've got I've still got six point four for Ghostbusters, mm -hmm. six point one for Tombstone. I went with five point eight for Turtles, so I gave it the edge, but not by much. And then five point seven for Turtles, five point six for Predator, and five point four for Robin Hood. You said five point seven for Turtles. Five seven for Turtles. Okay. All right, where are you putting babysitting at? Five point eight. Five eight. Okay, got it. Noted. I'm going to be that total guy you were just talking about, and <laughs> maybe setting a rating of six, which is tied with Ghostbusters and Predator. Okay. So I am totally being that guy. That's all right. Because I love them all so much. Good news. This is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, I will apologize to no one. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it is going to be. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> I drive a Dodge Stratus. I am a divisional manager. <laughs> oh man! Hey, you want to hear my? Uh, I got a. I got a connection. Yes. So Brad Keith Coogan, his grandfather was a famous actor, Jackie Coogan, who is most known for Uncle Fester, I believe, on the old school like uh, Adams Family shows. But he also was in a film in the 70s called uh, Cahill U.S. Marshal. No kidding. Yeah, a little uh, John Wayne flick. I, I'm i always down for a good John Wayne reference, too. So, yeah, good good call. And yeah, Charlie. Charlie, I don't remember him in the movie, but uh, he's probably an old character. Because Coogan would have been pretty old at this point, but yeah, so... Man, good. So, I did not. I did not pick up on that. Good catch, Jackie Coogan. Jackie Coogan. So hey, here's my story for you. Yes, I want to hear that you, story. You talked about uh, you know, Brenda. I think Brenda being like uh, you know, like adrenaline, you know, pumping and not being able to sleep, or maybe it was Chris. I don't know who you said that about, but um, so the night, so we were supposed to uh, record this a couple nights ago. But we were over at a friend's house. We stayed a little bit too late, and uh, it was snowing pretty good. I mean, you know, not a blizzard or anything by any means. And we were driving back home. It's probably like, you know, after 11. And uh, we were driving home, and I was going pretty slow. There was a car coming, like, towards me, like, but also didn't not noticeably fast or anything. But, like, all of a sudden, this car just does, like, starts, like, fishtailing. Oh boy! But, but at the same time, coming like right at me. <laughs> oh boy! And so, like, we're in our van. You know, we got the kids. Like, we're in the van. So, I mean, it's just it has not very good traction in the snow. So, like, typically, I feel like when I you know push the the gas, I just you know don't move. I just kind of spin my wheels like I'm in Scooby Doo. Right. <laughs> but uh, like for whatever reason, the van like actually did what I wanted it to. Like, I just kind of like. I felt like I was in a movie, man. Like I just, I like, you know, like hit it hard to the right and like, like spun into my, I was, I was kind of sliding on the snow as well, but kind of like turned into it like perfectly in the car, like just like barely missed me. And I just continued on like nothing happened. And like the car just was like, the car like finally stopped and was facing the wrong direction. And like, we just drove away. I was like, man, that could have been uh, really bad. <laughs> And fun fact here at the podcast, uh, Hightower is actually going to be starring in Fast and Furious 9. So he's uh, I felt fa like that. Fa Fast and Furious minivan edition. 
Yeah, but I came home and it was like eleven thirty. I almost just texted you and was just like, "Hey, uh, I got a lot of adrenaline right now. You uh, want a podcast? <laughs> hey, you want to knock out like seven shows? Let's just watch yeah. movies and podcast well, all night." I uh, I might not sleep tonight, so <laughs> nothing like a near death experience to to jolt you awake and get you you know get really get the senses going. It it was crazy. It was not good, <laughs> but we made it. Yes, on made it out the other side, and uh, we we got to talk about this. And like I said, I I, uh, I, I much appreciated getting a chance to talk about this movie with you because definitely uh, a sleeper for me that I did not anticipate, but high on the list. Yeah, I'm. That pleases me greatly. Pleases me greatly. This was a uh, this was always on in the high tower household growing up. So, do you have any questions from this movie? You know, I just had my MVP thing. I just, I really just was looking forward to hearing you uh, just give me your thoughts on the movie since it was your first time. I did. I came up with a couple of questions. They're pretty easy. Like they're not going to be too thought provoking, just kind of fun ones. But my, the one I've got is if you're Chris, do you make Brenda pay for like not only the tire, but the litany of legal fees that's going to follow you from what happened during the night? To me, I'm 100% like, hey, by the way, you're paying for all of this. Yeah, I'd probably put her on the hook for some of it. Yeah, it's a good. I mean, well, like what, what, what legal fees are you expecting? Well, I mean, you've got obviously the you know the kids breaking into the I don't want to say breaking into the party, but you've got everything from the well. Not, I guess I shouldn't say that the kids. It may be tied up in what they did. So the chop shop, not maybe not ratting out the chop shop. So you're an accomplice to that. You've got the knowledge of where that's at and what they're doing. I don't know. I just, I feel like there's, there's definitely some things that they may have been brought in for some questioning. At least they, they might've been an accomplice to some things that unknowingly. So I don't know. I maybe not, I, maybe I'm thinking too deep, but I feel like the police weren't even involved except for the, you know, the oh, no. and you know, that the adulter situation, but I feel like, I feel like the kids are, you know, in the Elizabeth Shewer getting off scot-free. The trauma, the the uh, the mental trauma that they went through, though. I mean, that's that's got to cost you something in terms of therapy. <laughs> they're gonna be they're gonna be better for it. They're gonna be stronger. They are. They night. they clearly are, and they bonded because they. He even says at the end, like, "Hey, you know, I know most seniors don't talk to freshmen, but you know, if you pass me, if you can say hi." And she's like, "I talk to friends." Like they're 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 clearly bonded over this. She's a great girl. And then the only other thing I was just kind of haha more than anything else, just is she actually a good babysitter if she can remember cough syrup, but not her own purse. But we talked about that. So those are really like the only kind of like amusing questions I could think of. But no, I think she's terrific babysitter, you know, unfortunate circumstances. And, um, you know, she, she pulled through as best she could. She's a great friend, a great babysitter. And I love her. I don't know if I've said that, but, um, I want her to be my babysitter. Elizabeth, since you're watching and listening, I'm sure. Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Elizabeth <laughs> God, what a fun movie, though. So, I, like I said, I, I appreciate this, man. This is definitely um, – it's something that I can tell the, the misses that we're, we're going to have to throw this on occasionally now because because we're going to want to watch it again. So you've yeah, added a new movie to the, to, the, to the cycle. Just wait till you know, baby Cash gets a little bit older, and she can enjoy it too. Absolutely, and I, um, I'm going to treat it kind of like the way movies were treated whenever I was younger. And people are like, I don't know if they should watch it. I'm like, yeah, screw that. She's <laughs> she's old enough. 
She's she's ready, damn it. That's right. She's she's gonna watch whether she likes it or not. <laughs> we just watched Jaws the other night. <laughs> I just I the, the movies that I watched as a kid, like we've talked about a couple times oh, in this, God. like I have just oh. I can't. I, I try. I go back and forth. Like I don't even know if I should be doing this with, or when I'll be doing this. And we, we talk about it all the time. Like when is she okay to watch Wizard of Oz? When is she okay to watch Big Trouble in Little China? The answer is she's already watched it. Nice. <laughs> hey, what are we gonna watch next week? Yeah. So uh, I was going back and forth about a couple, and uh, I, I, I kind of bounced this off of you too. So another family build or movie build is a family friendly movie that. Definitely has some not so family themes. Is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> God, I just there's so many things from this movie that I remember as a child that Judge Dune and like his cartoon and his creepiness. And I was, even as a kid, I was like, this is weird, man. Like, what am I watching? He was scary. I actually watched the movie not all that long ago because I read the I read the book. The book is called Who Censored Roger Rabbit, and it's there's a lot of differences, but I, so I read that and then watched the movie. So, but I hadn't seen it in probably a long time before that. But so yeah, it's kind of somewhat familiar in my mind. I was a little bit bummed out too because this was going to be. I told you I got my, uh, and I think I sent you the picture the night it happened. I got my my TV VHS player up in the kitchen, oh, and I had Who yeah, Framed yeah. Roger Rabbit, and the tape player ate my, ate my tape. So. Pretty, about that. pretty bummed out about that, but I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to this. I threw this on a couple years ago, and I remember, like, every time I watch it as an adult, I'm like, in no way, shape, or form should I have been watching this as a kid. Yeah, there are a ton of sex jokes. So many sweet. sex jokes, and not only that, like, the main plot of this is just trying yeah. trying to build a freeway through Toontown. Like, who cares about a freeway as a kid? Like, what, what is this? So... <laughs> Oh, it's going to be fun, though. I, d- I do enjoy that movie, so that'll be another one that we'll, uh, we'll obviously have a lot of fun talking about. And I don't know, but I, c- I covered all my maintenance items or my uh, to-do list. Did you have anything else you want to throw in before we wrapped up here? No, I think I'm good. Had fun. As always, man, it's been a blast. Like I said, uh, the Facebook page is live. Um, we'll probably be doing some stuff like Hightower said about, you know, maybe movie polls a little bit later on and what we're going to, you know, votes and interactions with fans so appreciate everybody listening and excited to wrap another week and and we'll talk about who framed roger rabbit next week hell yeah brother until then later on adios she got the baby baby Bye.